born in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America Hello everyone and welcome. This is Karen Schoen and you are listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor. I can't say enough about the Florida Citizens Alliance, the program that they have in place called Micro Schools is incredible. We must get our children out of those indoctrination clinics masquerading as public schools, because if we do not, there will be no hope for our children. They are being forced to learn through programs that mirror affirmative action, meaning they absolutely are learning nothing. Our children can't read, can't write, can't do math, have no common sense. And we are stealing their destiny. We are making their decisions for them. They can't even think. What a shame. Please go to goflca.org and look at the micro school area. And if you can, help. It doesn't matter if you don't have children. Former teachers are needed to help our children learn to read, write, and do math. Frederick Douglass said that a man who cannot read will forever be a slave. Why would he say that? Because if you can't read, you are open to interpretation of someone else as they are reading the documents to you. It is a travesty to spend as the money that we spend on educating our kids to learn nothing. Folks, aside from being uneducated, folks, we have also learned that aside from not being able to read, write, and do math, our children, our country is being literally stolen out from under us because our elections are no longer secure. They haven't really been secure in a very long time, but it seems as though they are more insecure today than ever before. And that in itself is a travesty. So we have too many things going on in America right now today that are so important that we the people pay attention to. Let's take a look at our constitution, which is never read. It says, we the people. We, the people, are in charge. We, the people, have created our government. We, the people, are the ones that are supposed to take care of our country so that our children will have a better life than us. And that's not happening at all, not happening anytime soon. There's a wonderful group in Florida, and it is called Defend Florida. Now, why would I tell you to go and look at that? Because it doesn't matter what state you're in, Defend Florida is doing amazing things, trying to protect our vote. If we do not have fair elections, then what country are we living in? 
if our elections are decided before we even go and vote, what's the purpose of voting? We can't allow that to happen. And again, we are in control. When people say to me, Karen, how is our country so messed up and what happened? My answer to them is look in the mirror because we as citizens forgot our charge. We are not paying attention. We are allowing our elected officials to take us over, thinking that they are the experts. Folks, you're more of an expert than they are. And it's time that we all learn what America is about. It is about a country for the people. We are the people. I have invited Richie Nutt from Defend Florida And we're going to be talking about some of the things that have been happening in Florida, but they relate to your state as well. It doesn't just happen in one place and then it doesn't happen someplace else. It happens all over. And this is part of the problem. Their network of slime is so vast that it's very hard to understand and control but it's up to us to do that. Richie, thank you so much for joining me today. It is such a pleasure. And I really appreciate all of the hard work that everyone at Defend Florida is doing. So before we go any further, can you explain a little bit to everyone what Defend Florida is all about? Yes. Defend Florida in a nutshell is about exactly what you just described. Uh, It is about protecting our elections and getting back to the concept of election security, getting the citizens involved through their elected officials to take back control of our state and turn Florida back into a functioning republic. That's it in a nutshell. Uh, People can go on the Flint, Florida website, you know, and read the formal declarations and so forth. But what you just described is exactly why I'm involved in Defend Florida. Well, I want to thank you for being involved. And folks, there is a meeting every Tuesday night. You want to explain what that is, Richie? Because people from other states can come and listen and take the information from those meetings, take them home and apply them to their state. Just take out Florida, put in your state. It fits, doesn't it? Yes, it does, without a doubt. And in fact, we have people from other states that do attend those meetings Uh, every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have a meeting that lasts an hour to hour and a half. Uh, It sometimes runs over because our discussions are so good where we cover election integrity topics that are relevant or that are relevant to future legislation for the upcoming 2024 state legislature session and explain the dynamics of them. We equip the citizens by doing our homework with what the statutes say on those topics and how to influence their elected officials. So yes, this can be taken to other states because it's the same concepts. We are seeing similar problems across the nation, uh, not only in Florida, but in other states. So we need this to be a nationwide effort. We just have to be concentrating on Florida because this is our own backyard. Exactly. Well, one of the things that I did when I got involved was I started looking at the Florida statutes, especially since our part-time governor who is collecting a full-time salary as the people of Florida 
are paying for his campaign as we are losing our state. There was a statute that was signed in 2018, and it's Florida Statute 101.5604. This statute has a very, very troubling last sentence, and this was signed by our governor, DeSantis. The last sentence says that the counties must use electronic equipment to count the votes. Well, we all know what happens when you use electronic equipment. So what is that statute all about, Richie? That's a great question. And let me back up one second to the Tuesday night meetings. Uh, I want to tell everybody where they can find these meetings. It is on our website at defendflorida.org. And if they scroll down to almost halfway down, you'll see a red box called Shifting the Balance of Power and click to sign up. So that's how they can sign up for the 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, Tuesday meetings. Now, for your question on 101.5604, this is actually a hot topic with me because this statute restricts Florida counties from doing what a lot of other counties across the U.S. can do which is go to your county commissioners and convince them to stop using the tabulators. Okay, we live in the free state of Florida, but yet counties even in California can do this, but we can't. Because the exact technical wording of this statute, the last line does say, a county must use an electronic or electromechanical precinct count tabulation voting system. So the practical effects of this are If we as citizens go to our county commissioners who make the decisions as to what election system to use in the county that they are responsible for, they still have to use tabulators. Now, they can choose which tabulator basically the Department of State gives them a choice of. But the county commissioners have to use tabulators for the elections and fund them. So it's not only do we. Yeah, that's a big deal. Wow. Yeah, I call it um, you're not only forced to drink poison, but you're forced to pour the drink yourself and mix the cocktail. That that is staggering. And folks, when I spoke with my uh, county commissioner and I explained about the tabulators, he said, oh, Karen, that's not a problem. It's not connected to the Internet. So I said, well, how do you transfer the information from one piece of equipment to another? And he said, oh, well, we use a thumb drive. Really? Do you think AI could not hack a thumb drive and put an algorithm on that no one can see as they're giving out the thumb drives? You think that might be a possibility, Richie? Yes, without a doubt. Um, Karen, our tabulators do not meet DOD standards. I'm a systems engineer with a contractor in the Department of Defense, and I'm actually appalled at our voting systems that are used. It would never pass DOD standards. And the example that you just mentioned about USB drives is a perfect example. In Department of Defense computers, regardless of the classification level, thumb drives cannot be inserted into those computers because of the just inherent vulnerabilities that thumb drives bring. But that's what your county commissioner told you as to how the votes are transmitted or transported. But a lot of your tabulators are hooked to the internet. 
Okay, we all know that, even though that's commonly said. So the concept of even thumb drives in a computer to start with just doesn't meet the mark. No, and especially today, folks, in the world of artificial intelligence that we are learning can hack just about anything, why would we want to make sure that our elections are not secure? Does that make sense at all? I don't think so. What else no. is in, in that in that statute, Richie, that is very troublesome? How does let's follow the vote? How does a person get to be able to vote in Florida? Let's say I move to Florida. I go to my supervisor of elections, I sign up and they ask me if I'm a citizen and if I can vote. Is that the way it works? Uh, that's basically it. And Karen, I agree with your comments about AI also. As AI emerges on the scene, whatever vulnerabilities we see in our electronic systems is basically going to just be exponential uh, in the near future. Um, now, your question about the citizenship. Yeah, we have a lot of problems with citizenship uh, verification in Florida, actually. And the specific point that you mentioned, the SOE is actually, I'm going to tell you exactly basically what it says. Statute 98.045 requires the SOE to verify citizenship. The way the statute is interpreted, though, it means that the SOE verifies the citizenship box is checked on the application. So that relies on the honor of the person who's filling out the application and checking the box. And this was determined by volunteer efforts, talking to SOEs and so forth uh, across the state. So you mean to tell me that if I come here from another country and I'm not a, a, an upstanding citizen and I go and fill out the application to vote, I could just check the box and that's it? That's basically it in a nutshell. And I'm going to direct you back again to the Defend Florida website because there's a yellow box about a third of the way down with a PowerPoint presentation titled Process to Verify U.S. Citizenship, A and B, that explains these complications very well. Unfortunately, it's not a cut and dry issue necessarily. Uh, it's very complicated. And then you have to wonder, why did they make it so complicated to verify citizenship? But those two presentations explain it very well. Oh, well, if they ask me for proof, I could just give them my driver's license. Isn't that proof? No, that is another misconception, actually, uh, that the driver's license will uh, ensure citizenship. No, it does not. So if an illegal is able to get a driver's license and they take that driver's license and go to register for a vote, there's really no checks and balances on that? Not sufficiently, no. This is very, very troublesome, folks. And this is a, a really unbelievable process of the way our votes are stolen with people not realizing it and saying, oh, but we did the right thing. Well, you may have done the right thing, but the way the laws are worded 
it turns out that it's the wrong thing. And we have a real danger right now with illegals being able to vote. Now, they can't vote supposedly in the state of Florida, but they can't work in the state of Florida either, and they do that as well. So who's fooling who here when you're talking about the right to vote? Why is being a citizen so important, Richie? Because our country rests on that principle. The Our republic is founded on the concept of responsible citizens choosing their elected officials. So if you have citizens or people voting that are not even citizens, you have a violation of the foundation of our nation to start with. And Karen, I completely agree with what you said about the emergency. You just have to look at what's going on at the southern border and how illegal aliens aliens are being distributed across the nation. This is extremely dangerous right now. Okay, so I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to my elected official and I'm going to tell them all of this. And then they're going to go and they're going to go to our state Congress and they're going to present this plan and everybody's going to jump on it and say, what a wonderful thing, right? No, Uh, unfortunately, (laughs) that is not what we're uh, experiencing sometimes, but that's the way it's supposed to work. The okay, in my assessment, the elected officials should be the ones that are leading this effort. Unfortunately, when citizens are going to their elected officials, we're actually having to educate them on what the statutes even say to start with, even if they're on the key committees. And then they do ask the questions, just just like you brought up. But doesn't the driver's license do this and so forth? No. So unfortunately, it rests on the shoulders of the citizens to educate the elected officials, but then hold them accountable. So we have to do the homework, our job as citizens, and then hold them accountable for the results. Okay, so I'm going to go talk to my elected official. He assures me that he's going to take it up in a committee and I'm done. Right. I don't have to do anything else. I did my part. Is that the way it works? That's the way it's supposed to work. But no, that's not the way it works. Actually, uh, again, if the elected officials uh, were answering to the citizens, yeah, I would say so. But what actually is going to happen is you might talk to your elected official and they listen to you. And then they go to committee weeks. It's a long process. But they might even sponsor a bill and the bill might die in committee. So we have to not let up. We have to continue in the process. We need citizens to go to not only the elected officials in the district, but go to the committee weeks, basically shepherd the process all the way through that bill being passed. So we have to be pros on civics, which is exactly what the framers of the Constitution wanted us to be. Okay, now, I never spoke to my elected official before. I'm nervous and I don't know what to do. So I'm going to give you a little clue, folks. It's very easy to talk to them, especially now that they're home in the home district. But if you don't want to talk to them, call them at night, leave a message on their answering machine. Isn't that important, Richie? Yes, it is. And also, if... People uh, don't know 
what to say to the elected official and so forth. I understand. I'm actually new to this game. We've only been in it for about a year ourselves. So on the Defend Florida website, we have a lot of good, useful tools to use. We have a one pager of issues. We have training videos on how to talk to an elected official. The Tuesday night meetings are key for this because we have people that have had successful interactions with elected officials, give uh, their experiences and so forth, their advice. And we also talk to volunteers across the state frequently uh, about uh, recommendations and so forth. You're only going to have 15 to 30 minutes with an elected official. So it's somewhat of an art, but uh, we can set you up for success. And after a few times, uh, it'll just go natural. So yes, leave a message. Definitely, like you said, but there's there's no substitute for going in and getting in front of an elected official, handling it professionally, just like you do a business meeting and so forth, and getting the point across to them that they work for us, polite, professional, but reinstituting the principles of the republic that we the people are who the elected officials answer to, not the special interest, not the lobbyist, and not other Florida state bureaucracy. We are the ones that elected them, folks. It's up to us. And part of our problem is that we don't vet our candidates properly. We'll go to these town hall meetings and they'll tell us how wonderful they are, what colleges they went to, all about their family. But we don't get to ask them the hard questions. And by not doing that, it's difficult to hold them accountable. So as we are going through the election process, we have to make sure that they understand and answer real questions. It's really nice that you have a family and you go to church and we appreciate that and all of those things. But that's not going to do anything for me, the citizen, when it comes to an election. So we have to make sure that we vet our candidates. And another clue that I'd like to give you all is that now is the time to go and see them when they are in their home districts. But just as important as meeting with your elected official, meet with their legislative assistant. Make friends with them. Become buds with them so that when you call the office, they know who you are. They know you're important and they know that you will follow through. And that's what we have been lacking. We are very good at initiating something, but I have to say our follow through is not good at all. And if we think that the Republican Party or some party is going to save us, that's not going to happen either. Because again, these are private corporations, the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, the Libertarian Party, whatever party, they are private organizations and they really shouldn't be involved in this. But they have wormed their way in so that we now have to follow some of their rules. Well, we're not going to be able to follow those rules because they don't make sense and we shouldn't be following those rules. So the only way that we can change them is to become involved ourselves. So what can you give our audience as some important keys and points before our segment is over? Bottom line is get involved. Okay, here's what we're seeing across the state that I'm very encouraged by. You've got citizens that have never been involved in the political process getting involved, stepping up to the plate, 
and not just saying, do I write an email and so forth? They're asking for what is the effective action that we can take? Grassroots groups are also forming coalitions uh, to have synergizing strategies between them. Both of those two things are necessary. Find a good grassroots group to get involved in so you're not just the Lone Ranger. My biggest advice is, yes, attend the Tuesday night meetings because that's where a lot of the grassroots groups are coming together, citizens from across the state, and then we can network you out uh, with other volunteers across the state. But the first step is to make the righteous indignation statement, not in my backyard. We are going to take back our state and I'm going to find other people to do it with. So I'm not operating alone and I'm going to be good at it. And I will not tolerate this any longer. That's, that's my biggest advice right there. Having that attitude to start with. And that is key. Richie, where can everyone find you? What is the website? Where should people go? It is defendflorida.org. And that is where you'll find all the resources. It's a very user-friendly website. All you have to do is scroll down uh, and look for whatever you might need. And Karen, I want to reemphasize one last thing. We, The way I put it is we live right now in a feudal state. Our state government is operating as like a medieval feudal system with the monarchy, nobility, and the serfs. The state legislature is basically the nobility that follows the direction of the executive branch, which is the monarchy. We've got to change the fact that citizens uh, are seen as serfs in the system. And the only way to do that is to do exactly what you're saying and exert our authority as citizens on those elected officials. And Karen, what we're seeing, though, across the state, uh, and this is from my own personal observations, is that the Florida state government is performing like a medieval feudal state. You've got the three social classes, the monarchy, the nobility, and then the serfs. The executive branch functions as the monarchy, and it's not only the executive branch itself, but all of the bureaucracies you know, coming off the executive branch. The nobility is following the direct direction of the monarchy. They're supposed to be following the direction of the citizens, but unfortunately, the citizens are viewed in this medieval feudal system as serfs, not we the people. So the only way we're going to turn our state back into a functioning republic is for the citizens to say and have the attitude, we're no, no, we're no longer going to operate as serfs. We're going to operate as we the people, and we're going to take back control of it. And well, fortunately, that's what we're seeing across the nation, and we're seeing it work. And that's what God is smiling on and endorsing. Richie, I want to thank you so much for joining me today, and I'd love you to come back again as Defend Florida is progressing. Folks, if you are involved, you must you must become involved in your government. These are the people that are making the rules that can make your life wonderful or make your life miserable. And I don't want to spend my life being miserable, so get involved. It is impossible for all of us to be involved in everything. So pick your passion. If your passion is education, please go to go 
flca.org. If your passion is elections, go to defendflorida.org. But do something. Sitting around and getting aggravated and doing nothing will never work. It'll get you nothing. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. This is Karen Schoen, and you're listening to The Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Don't go away. We will be right back. Copix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back, everyone. This is Karen Schoen. You are listening to the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Again, if you are 
getting involved in education, please go to goflca.org and learn about the Alliance Micro School Project. You will be amazed at the things that you can do as an individual citizen to help our students learn to read, write, and do math. Well, we just spent uh, the first segment of the show learning all about how corrupt our elections are. Oh, did I say that? Am I going to go to jail now because I said our elections are corrupt? Well, this is what this crowd is trying to do because communists cannot handle any type of opposition. So what happens if we don't get involved and we let these communists take over our country? What will that mean to us? Oh, I've been told it doesn't mean anything, Karen. It's not going to affect me wrong answer. They have a plan. They always have a plan. And that is part of our problem. We don't listen to them when they talk and tell us their plan. And one of their plans involves what they call 15-minute cities. Now, what on earth is a 15-minute city? Well, I can tell you what they used to be. They used to be called ghettos in the 40s. And in uh, Poland in 1941, uh, these ghettos had rules. And those rules said you can't leave that ghetto unless you had a pass. A pass? What kind of a pass? You had to have a paper written that gave you permission. And the penalty for not listening was death. So these people are not fooling. When I lived in New York, we called these projects. And everyone was so excited because we would have low income housing projects. And I remember when the projects opened and we went there to look at them and we thought, oh, how nice people will have a nice place to live, nice spacious apartments, Within two years, the graffiti, the dirt, the trash, the rats, everything was in that ghetto, in that project. Why? Because if people don't have a vested interest in owning something, they're not going to take care of it. It's not theirs. What do they care? They'll call the super. This is what we are going to be facing and I have asked a longtime friend who has been fighting this probably longer than I have, but has been on the show quite often to explain her work, Kathleen Marquid from the American Policy Center, to join me now and explain what will happen to us if we don't get the right people in office. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining me today. And was I correct? Do you think that the 15-minute cities had anything to do with what we used to call ghettos? Um, thank you, Karen, for having me here today. I want to tell you, you couldn't have picked an, an issue more important today, I don't think. Um, you're absolutely right, except it is ghettos on super steroids. They have perfected the ghetto with these 15-minute cities, and it is unbelievable what they're going to do with them and how they're going to treat you. Uh, but I, I'd like to start it out just with one quote. Right now, I'm working on another article, and 
I, I like to find professional articles written for, um, for medical and other libraries, you know, like The Lancet and all those, the New England Journal of Medicine. Well, I just, I'm, I have one and I want to tell you, they're, they're, the top of, topic of this article is why cities are the solution to climate change. And it said, we, you gotta, you gotta hear this, Karen. We talk about how much cities contribute to climate change, accounting for 70% of the energy related greenhouse gas emissions, for example. But this overshadows the facts that cities are also incubators for the solutions. Karen, <laughs> I'm sorry. I believe what I'm hearing. I'm just I'm just sitting here and 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 they go on overwhelmingly the most ambitious and innovative actions to reduce emissions and improve quality of life are happening at the city level. Explain this. How can they be? And and now that they're making the 15 minute cities, people are going to be even more crammed in so that 70 percent of the energy related greenhouse gas emissions is going to probably going up to 90 percent i mean serious karen this is just this blows my mind well i go back to what my original premise was is that these people have been educated through affirmative action and therefore have no knowledge of anything and they can make contradictory statements and nobody will go and say, wait a minute, how can you do that if you are going to do this? It, of course, does not make sense. Before we go any further, Kathleen, a 15-minute city, that means I can get in my car and I can drive 15 minutes away. Is that what it means? No, you can walk or ride your bike. Oh, I could walk or ride my bike. Let me see right now. The temperature in Florida is 97 degrees where I live. I can't wait to get on my bike <laughs> and go to the store. How does that work? Well, that don't you okay, you hit on it a couple of sentences ago. Um what what they tell us and what they're doing are two different things. And if you use reason, logic, sound science, you are never ever ever going to come up with the conclusions they want. And that's exactly why they have all this non-education education in the schools. They have to dumb kids down so that when they hear something like that stupid sentence about how cities provide so much of the account for so much of the greenhouse gas emissions, and yet the cities are where we're going to find the answers that the kids, oh, wow, that is so profound. I mean, we, you have to we have been gaslighted. We have been brainwashed. We have been dumbed down, or much of the population has, for so long that, that uh, oh, and there's one other major, major factor, factor in this, is they are cut, cutting out any, any sane, sensible articles, comments. Those have to be erased. Those have to go away. That they... Are, so the people don't hear those. The people that the well, they think the masses are 
out there aren't hearing them because they're not on mainstream media or any acceptable media. Um, but obviously they are because people are waking up. But you, you're you're absolutely right. It it's the schools that did it. That they just captured our schools, and that's you know forty. 40 sessions on your radio show for that. The scary part is that people don't even have the ability to reason anymore. I mean, just think about it, folks. New York City, uh, the island of New York City has about 9, 10 million people. What's the possibility of catching a disease when you are so close together in an island that's only 27 miles, as opposed to living in a house where your neighbor might be 100 feet away, 200 feet away. What's the possibility of getting in an elevator, of being in a crowded store? I'm thinking just of disease and of theft. That doesn't occur when you're in the rural areas. Yes, there's disease. Yes, there's theft. But it's not so concentrated of what they're trying to do to us by forcing us to be together. Why would they be doing that, Kathleen? It just doesn't make sense. Control. If they have us all controlled in one city or in a bunch of cities, they all they have to do is turn off the water and the sewer and people, everything is going to end right there. And when you're in a controlled 15-minute city and you're not allowed to get out and they're shutting down everything, what do you think is going to happen? New York City is probably, maybe their their ambient temperature isn't as high as yours, but with that many people locked into a building that has no air conditioning, no windows that open, what do you think is going to happen? It's, it's, they, Reduce the human population is the number one thing they need to do, but they and they've been saying it a lot more, but that really hasn't been one of the things that they tout. But now that they think they have total control, they're letting these things out. And I mean, you've heard you've all know a Harari. You know where they're going with the UN and Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. They're all talking about reducing the human population. And where best to do it is in the city. As you were talking about disease and and theft in the countryside, well, the diseases aren't spreading as fast because we don't, I, I, I don't see my neighbor, I see my neighbors very seldom. And most of the people out here have guns. You're not going to go into their house and steal things because we're allowed to have guns if we want them. But it's it's everything put together. It's taking away. And you you mentioned it right at the beginning with the with the projects, vested interest, property rights. The vested interest is if you don't own that house, you don't give two cents what happens to it so you let it go to trash and that this is what we are facing folks we cannot allow them to do that and in many states 
I think in, in on the West Coast, in Washington and Oregon, they are actually outlawing single-family residents, and they are forcing the building of what they call mixed-use buildings, high-rise buildings, so that you will live on the upper floors, the middle floors will be the offices, and on the lower floors might be your services, like your hairdresser, your grocery store. So where are you going? No place. You are only, from what you're saying, Kathleen, you can only walk about 15 minutes. So that means that everything that you do becomes within about a mile to a mile and a half. And that's your life. You can't get past that. Well, you would, I guess, be able to get past it if you're going to have a chip in your hand to count uh, what your carbon credits might be. So that would allow you to buy something because in these cities, aren't they going, they are going to be granting everything with a carbon credit so that you know exactly how much carbon you're using. Folks, CO2 is necessary for plant life. Plants take in CO2 and expel oxygen, and that we need to be able to produce plants. Well, why do we have to have plants? Because plants are our food. So if you eliminate the food, then it's very easy to say we're overpopulated, we don't have enough food. Would that be the way that it would work? Absolutely. But a couple of things I want to point out here. Do you know how much, how much of our atmosphere is made up of CO2? I do, and that is 0.03%. How is that going to affect anything? <laughs> but, That's like taking a thimble of hot water and throwing it into a bathtub and expecting the bathtub to turn hot. Absolutely. That's that's just one of the, the insane things. Then, and you, you described the mis, mixed-use office, all that building. This was designed in 19, what was it, 60-something um, by, by Russia um, in a book called The Ideal Communist City, where they were designing how they were going to build East Berlin, since they had control. It's exactly that. And and now people can go buy that book, The Ideal Communist City by Gutenov, and you can buy it. It's not expensive. They they've made carbon, they made copies of it. And you can read where this came from. And you were talking about you 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 can't you can't go out of your city without a chip. Let me tell you, you got to, to live in that city. You're going to have to have a chip so that you can have your heating or cooling in your house or water or whatever. And you're going to have to have that chip for everything you do. It's just they can if you I think in some um, London city or England cities, Great Britain cities, they're allowing you a certain number of times that you can leave your 15-minute city in a year. And over that, you're either going to get fined or, I don't know, I don't know, arrested, I don't know, whatever. And what people people don't understand is, I, when I was in Germany, somebody said to me, oh, well, the one great thing about COVID is I got to learn my neighbors. Well, 
if meet my neighbors. Well, meet your neighbors now because you're going to need them when this war comes. But more, you know, saying a lockdown is wonderful because you got to meet your neighbors. Guess what? You get to live with those neighbors in your 15 minute city and you don't get to all your friends that live elsewhere. You're going to I'm. I question this, do they both go to the borders of their city if they're in adjoining city, you know, adjoining 15 minute part of the city and talk to each other? Or do you never get to see them? And you even even your phone calls are going to cost carbon credit. Think about they're isolating you amongst millions of people. Think about how that's going to feel. Well, they are petrified if we have conversations. So a conversation like you and I are having right now would certainly be outlawed because everything will be monitored. Everything, listen to me, folks, everything will be monitored. There will be checkpoints. There will be barricades. There will be cameras. And if you leave, as Kathleen said, you have to get permission Imagine living in New York City or any city and having to get permission from who, from where, to be able to leave and go visit or to be able to leave and go someplace. That is unconscionable to people in America. America was founded on the fact of ownership. That is the pursuit of happiness. That is what we have been granted by our creator. And no one has the right to take that away until now when these experts, when these communists have, as Kathleen said, infiltrated our schools and are now teaching our children how wonderful it is to do more work and get less reward get less. We worked real hard. I want to come home to my nice cool house uh, in, a, in the Florida heat. Imagine being in that heat without air conditioning. Well, that is what went on in the early 1900s. But by 1940, 1950, we had air conditioning. We were able to regenerate ourselves. That's not going to happen anymore either, is it? And again, the influx of the illegals coming into our country is going to push us closer and closer together as these cities become more and more congested. But then, Kathleen, one of the things that we have learned about the communists is that they never call anything what it really is. So this 15-minute city, you may not hear, but you certainly will hear about a smart city. Would that be correct? Uh, yes, and they're and they're two different things. But they're a a fifteen minute city will be a smart city. It's just the fifteen minute city is is restricting you so much. People don't, you know, the fifteen minutes to get to the edge of your city or for wherever you're going, you don't get to cross that line. I can't understand how. I mean. Cities are lined up. Cities in this country are lined up to be on the list of the first 15-minute cities, the first smart cities in our country, major cities. And where are the people? Do you not think that that people 
don't understand that the two keys to America, in my opinion, are private property rights, as you pointed out, and moral absolutes, what we get from the Ten Commandments, because they don't want you to ha own anything, and they want, they say, you're, you're, you can think what you think, and I'll think what I think, but they don't allow you to say what you think. You can only say what is immoral or dishonest or making people believe that living in a living in a gulag is going to be thrilling all these things if people would just stop and take it one part at a time can i live without private property rights yes as a slave you can live without private property rights can I live without moral absolutes? I think we would go crazy without them. People are going crazy now without them. I, I agree with you. So, folks, think about this. Well, I worked real hard during the week, and now it's the weekend, and we're going to take the family and go on a camping trip. Wrong. That's not going to happen. Well, I'm going to go and spend the weekend with grandma and grandpa and see how they're doing. And, and they live in uh, New Jersey and I live in Pennsylvania. So we'll have a nice car trip. Wrong. That's not going to happen. My doctor is in the next town. I'm going to have to drive and see him because he's the doctor I want to see. He's my doctor of choice. Wrong. You're going to have to find a doctor within the confines of your city. Okay, well, at least I can choose the school my child goes to. Wrong. You're not going to be able to do that either because that school has to be in the same building that you're in because your child is not going to be able to travel either. The restrictions are so high that most of the time it is unfathomable. Kathleen, tell everyone where they can find you and your wonderful articles. Please, everyone, start reading Kathleen's articles. She writes incredible articles about what our future is going to hold if we do not wake up and get the right people in office. Remember what I say. Everything is connected. Nothing happens at random. Everything has a plan, and all plans are based on lies. Kathleen, where can everyone everyone find you. I'm at AmericanPolicy.org. Go there. Please look at Kathleen's articles and most important, share them and make sure you vet the right candidates that understand. Become the expert. Go to your elected official. Go to the candidates. Make sure they understand what the ramifications are of implementing these 15-minute cities. And those are the people that should never be in office. And this is our doing. We must pay attention. We, the people of the United States of America, have the ability to redress our government. And we had better start doing that. Because the only way that this is going to be changed, fixed, implemented, is if we, the people, pay attention or don't. And that will be our doing or undoing. It's up to us, folks. Nobody is going to come in and save us. 
It's up to us. That's the way America was designed. It was designed for the people to get involved. And we, the people, had better start getting involved. This is so important if we want our children to be living in a free society. And freedom means exactly that. You are free to do what you choose to do with your life as long as it does not harm anyone else. So who are these people and why are they doing this? Because they are interested in only three things, money, power, and control. And unfortunately, we have the power to stop it, and we're not doing that. And that will be our downfall. So we cannot allow that to happen. Your job, everyone, should you choose to do it, is to learn about education, our elections, and our private property and the importance of it. And that's the legacy that we will be leaving our children. That's what we will be leaving our country. It's up to us. You have been listening to Karen Schoen. This is the prism of America's education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Please visit goflca.org. Get involved. There are many wonderful groups that you can get involved with. Doing nothing is affirmation and will ensure that we will lose and we cannot afford to lose our country. See you again next week, folks.